When I was in my early 20s, I was not as sexually pure as I wanted to be. I was not living up to God's articulated standard for purity. Told to us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who don't know God. And for me, I did not feel in control of my body. I often felt out of control. I was often giving in to the lusts of the flesh like someone who didn't know God. I felt, in fact, much like a slave. And Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 6. In verse 16, we read, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. And too often I was presenting myself as a slave to sin. And this was very distressing to me as a Christian. I uh, often prayed for purity. I sought out accountability. I resisted temptation, often with success, but too often I gave in. Too often I sinned. And I felt enslaved, I felt powerless, I felt ashamed, and I, it was just not a good place to be. Especially as I continued reading Paul where he says, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, you've become slaves of righteousness. And I thought, well, that is true uh, in general and in many areas of my life, and, and yes, I do want that, but in this area, I can't say that I, have, I once was a slave and now have been set free. I still felt like I was a slave. And of course, when we are in bondage to a particular sin, when it has entangled us, um, we feel shame. And in our shame, we can hide from God, like Adam and Eve did. Or we can uh, minimize the sin, because we are embarrassed by it, and so we start to think, well, it's, it's really not that bad, and kind of to live with ourselves. Or we can get to a place where we just give up. And actually, that's where I had gotten. I was in danger of just giving up and uh, reconciling myself to living uh, this way. I had tried and failed so many times, I was about ready to throw into the t in the towel and believe the lie that this was an area of my life God couldn't transform. And if that's where you are today, if you are entangled by a sin, maybe it's a, a greed or anger or negative thinking or or cheating, or something like that, and you're entangled in it, and you've tried and failed to find freedom, and you're about ready to give up, well, I've got a great truth to share with you this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Turn there if you would. I know the bulletin says chapter 13. I apologize. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 to 14. And this is our, our text for today. 
Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he'll also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. This is a empowering, freeing truth. Have an illustration. It's always fun to break out your fly rod. So, I will show you my casting. Who wants caught? <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. Look at that. Whoop, I got something. Communion, that's a good thing to catch. So, what is temptation? Temptation is an allurement to sin. I did catch the communion table. Mm-hmm. I don't want to lose this fly. This is a good one. An allurement to sin. And so... Uh, I think about it like this little fly. This is a royal wolf. It's a dry fly. I've been getting into dry fly fishing. And uh, the goal of dry fly fishing is you present the fly on top of the water so that it looks natural, it looks real, and the fish doesn't see the hook. And they think, ooh, that's a tasty bug. And if you can get them to believe the lie, if you can tempt them with that... With that fly, whoop, they'll come up, swallow it, and then you've got yourself a fish on the line, and, and it's struggling to survive. Well, that's temptation. Satan takes sin, and uh, he dresses it up, makes it look enticing, makes it look natural, makes, makes us believe this isn't going to actually hurt me. And as soon as we uh, believe that the sin is good for us, not bad for us, and we take it and we give in to that temptation, we're on the hook struggling for our lives. So I want to talk, before we get into our text, I want to talk briefly about how to take the shine out of sin. Uh, what can we do to see the hook underneath the, underneath the fly? So turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to look at the very first temptation. Satan is tempting Eve to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the forbidden fruit. Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Now, Satan knows full well that God has said you may eat from all the trees in the garden except one. Uh, so what's he doing? Well, he's trying to uh, put into Eve's mind the idea that God is a limiting God, uh, that he is trying to keep her from good things. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Now, God never said don't touch. He just said don't eat. Uh, but we tend to add to God's commands, uh, maybe as a way to protect ourselves. Very probably, Adam had told Eve, uh, don't eat. In fact, don't even touch it, thinking I'll just draw a bigger boundary. But whenever we do that, we actually don't uh, serve ourselves or, or others well. 
But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. So here is Satan calling God a liar. He's just flat out contradicting. And he's saying, uh, God is just trying to scare you, Eve. Uh, he, your sin isn't going to hurt you. That fruit, yes, God told you don't eat it. Yes, he told you you'll die, but you're not going to die. Sin isn't, in fact, bad for you. Really, it will bless you. Verse 5, For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. God has lied to you. The sin is not bad for you. The sin is actually good for you, and God is trying to keep you from something good. Listen, that is the root lie, the root deception behind every temptation. And if Satan can get us believing that what God calls sin is actually good for us and not dangerous, we partake. And then we are on the line struggling for our lives. And that's what happened with Eve. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and Eight. So how do we take the shine out of temptation? It's this simple. Believe God's testimony that sin is bad for you. Everywhere in the scripture where God says, thou shalt or thou shalt not, he is saying, I'm trying to tell you where you can find life and find it to the full. I'm trying to tell you what's good for you and what's bad for you. I created you. I know what will bring you true abundant abundance. Will you believe me? And it really comes down to, do we or don't we trust God's testimony? And the more that we trust God's testimony that sin is bad for us, well, the, more the, uh, the harder it is for Satan to tempt us and the more it takes the shine out of sin. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. We are told that sin easily entangles us. Easily entangles. I remember Dave LaMare uh, brought a tackle box uh, to church one day, and he opens the tackle box, and he, he pulls out this wad of treble hooks and, and uh, leader, and it was all just bundled up. And we've all, anyone who's fished for very long has had that experience, and he said, guys, you know, this is what sin does. It so easily entangles. And let me tell you, you won't feel free, and it's hard to walk in victory when sin's got you all tangled why do we want to say no to temptation? Because temptation entangles us. Sin, sin uh, binds us up. Sin is slavery, and God wants us to experience victory. That's why Christ died, that we might walk in victory. So, back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, because here's good news. The good news is we can find freedom. There is no area of your life that is untransformable by God. Verse 12. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No one is exempt. Every Christian, no matter how long you have been a Christian, you are tempted. You're tempted by the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world is the world system in which we live, and every culture has its own unique temptations to sin. 
Uh, we, uh, the flesh, that's our sin nature. We all have it. It doesn't leave us in, until we leave this earth. And it is drawn to sin. It is attracted by sin. And then, of course, the devil and the demonic world seek to tempt us. We're all tempted. Therefore, we need to all be vigilant because we're all in danger of falling, and we don't want to fall. So we have to have our uh, radar up, be on the watch. Uh, our enemy is seeking, he's like a roaring lion, seeking to kill, still, and destroy. Verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Your struggle is not unique. You might think it's unique. You might never have told anyone about it. And you think, I'm the only one on the planet who struggles with this. According to the word of God, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. It's a common, everyday temptation. Thousands, millions of people have struggled with the same exact thing. The same thoughts, the same desires, the same behaviors. Now, here's the good news. That means that God has already helped countless people overcome the exact struggle you have, resist the exact temptation that you faced. And if he can do it for them, he can do it for you. Your temptation is not unique. Your temptation uh, is not the one temptation that, that it's impossible for a human to find freedom from. God is faithful. You never have to ask, does God want to help me find freedom? Will God help me resist this temptation? God is faithful. It doesn't matter how far for how long you have run. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. The moment you make a choice, I want Freedom. I want to say no to temptation. I want to become a slave of righteousness, not a slave of sin. The faithful God is right there to help you. So that's never a question. Does God want to help me? The answer is 100% unequivocally all the time, yes. The faithful God wants to help you walk in victory. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Now, that is a staggering statement. That means there is no temptation that enters my life. There is no temptation that enters your life that's bigger than you. You have the ability, because you're a follower of Christ and dwelt with His Holy Spirit, you have the ability to say no to sin. Not a single temptation enters our life. That is beyond our ability. We can say no. We can say yes to God, no, no to sin every single time without exception. You are never powerless. I needed to hear this. We all need to hear this, right? I am not powerless. I have the ability in Christ and dwelt by the Spirit of God. I have the ability to say no to the temptation right now in front of me. And God won't let us. I can't help but think of Job. Satan wanted access to Job. God had protected Job from Satan's 
a tax. And then finally, God said, all right, Satan, I will let you go after my servant, Joe. But there are limits, right? And God put limits as to what Satan was allowed to do. That's what he does with you and with me. God ensures that the temptation that enters our lives is not greater than we can handle. Isn't that awesome? That is an empowering thought, but it also raises the responsibility, doesn't it? It means that when I choose to give in to the temptation, it is my choice. I had the power to say no to the temptation. I chose not to exercise that power because I did not believe God's testimony that that sin is bad for me. I swallowed the lie that it's natural, it's good, I'll be blessed by doing it. And as Christians, I think so often what we say is God's ways are right most of the time in the big general and lots of the time, but in this particular situation, my precise life in this moment, in this area, actually, you know, God's general commands don't apply. I'm better off doing it my own way right here, right now. With the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape. It is never just you and the temptation. You know who is also present every single time we are tempted? God himself. What's God doing? You're being tempted, and God is building a way of escape. He's building an off-ramp. God is with you in every single temptation. In fact, God is so present that he's thinking, okay, I'm seeing how you're being tempted. I am actively creating a way of escape. I'm building the off-ramp. That's how involved he is when we are being tempted. He's right there. He's actively participating providing us a way of escape. The question, of course, is will I take God's off-ramp? And how many times? I I have heard that still small voice pointing out the off-ramp, and I just blow right past it. But there's always, always an off-ramp. For every temptation, God provides a way of escape. And that way of escape might be a friend that you've pre-agreed. I'm going to call you when I'm being tempted, when my thoughts are negative, right? When I'm getting angry and I'm feeling myself getting out of control, I'm going to pick up the phone, I'm going to give you a call, and I'll give you a chance to speak truth into my life and talk me, talk me down. That could be the off-ramp God builds. It could be uh, verse scripture memorization. You pre-memorize scriptures that apply to your particular struggle. So that when you're being tempted, you can quote those verses out loud and feel uh, inspired to do what is right. It could be that it's biblical counseling. It could be that it's getting involved in, in uh, one, a journey group or like the healing, healing journey class that Ken's going to talk about uh, at the end of the service. God provides lots of off-ramps through his people, the church. Will we, t- will we partake? Will we get off? And finally, that you may be able to endure it. God understands that the temptations that come into our lives can often be extreme. 
not just a, a, a gentle, easy to say no to temptation, but a temptation that causes you to break out and sweat when you're trying to resist. And especially if you have given into that temptation over and over again and you've developed a habit and you've de developed an addiction, those things don't get broken easily. But you can endure. You can say no. You can be set free. You can walk in victory. You can regain control of your life with the power of God. So later in my 20s, uh, the Lord precipitated a... I went from wanting sexual purity to being desperate for it. Uh, that was the real change. I, I was no longer uh, content to uh, fail periodically. I wanted freedom. And, and so I, was, I became so desperate, I, multiple times a day, I would get down on my knees. I would often get down on my face. My body would sh shake. I was so intense, and I would just plead, God, please, today, please help me. Say no to temptation. Help me to walk in purity today. And I had an accountability partner who would uh, ask me every at the end of every single day, how did it go? And day, one day, became two days, became three days, became a week, and we celebrated at the end of the day, today God was faithful, today he empowered me to say no. And a week became two weeks, and three weeks, and a month, and then two months. And eventually, uh, I got to a place where I, I realized my whole mentality has changed. I don't feel a slave anymore. I feel in control. I feel like failure is now the exception to the rule. It's not the rule. I felt transformed. And let me tell you, that, was, that is so liberating. That is so empowering. And you know, it made me a, a, a bolder proclaimer of the gospel. Because it's hard to get up and talk about God can set you free when there's an area of your life that's still in slavery. And God wants freedom for you. I want freedom for you. If today, no matter, no matter how long and uh, deep you've been in it, if today, when faced with that temptation... You take God's off-ramp, you say no to, to the temptation, you say yes to God. You do that today, and then you do it however many times during the day it comes, and then you do it tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day. What's going to happen? Pretty soon, you're going to wake up and realize, hey, new habits have been formed. New ways of thinking have been formed. I am being transformed. Praise God. Now, sometimes God will do this work instantaneously and miraculously, but I think that for the majority of us, most of the time, this is how spiritual transformation happens. Moment by moment by moment, enduring the temptation, saying no to it, saying yes to God, walking by faith, walking by the Spirit, experiencing, being an overcomer in the moment, facing it again, facing it again, facing it again. Sometimes you fail. But, but less and less often, 
And all of a sudden, you're finding yourself experiencing the freedom that Christ wants you to have. Pastor James gave me this illustration. He said, hey, think about a tennis match. And you start playing tennis. You're going to lose every match, but you can, you can score a point here and there, right? Well, you keep playing. Pretty soon you're scoring more and more points. And then you start winning a match or two. And you keep doing that. Next thing you know, you're winning more matches than you're losing. Eventually, you can get to a place where you're winning virtually every match. You'll never, you'll never score every single point. The Bible makes that clear. The only one who has never sinned is Jesus himself. We will not reach that level of uh, transformation until we get to heaven. But, but I'll tell you what, we can make some serious strides. We can find tremendous freedom. We can experience a great transformation, great liberation. And God wants that for us, and the evil one doesn't, does he? The evil one wants to have at least one area in our lives where we are entangled in sin, where, where we are slaves. Now, one last thing. Hebrews chapter Nope, Proverbs. I was, uh, by the way, I've been reading a proverb a day. About six weeks ago, I came, on, uh, came up with a formula that works for me. And it's, I'm going to read a proverb, uh, a chapter of the Proverbs, before I mess with my electronics. And since I'm motivated to check the stock market and uh, read my news articles, it's been extremely uh, helpful. So I was reading Proverbs 28.13 the other day. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. So what do we do when we fail? Because the fact of the matter is we will sometimes. You're struggling. You're struggling with a particular area. You're trying to uh, find victory, but periodically you give in to the temptation. What do you do? You better know what to do or you'll get restuck. What you do is don't conceal it. Don't hide it. Confess it. Certainly confess it to the Lord. And the Bible says, confess our sins one to another that we may be healed. Sometimes confessing to a brother or sister in Christ is part of the healing process. So don't conceal it, but confess it. But he who confesses and forsakes, which here's what it looks like for me. It's, I, I say, Lord, I am sorry. Uh, that was wrong. I don't want that a part of my life. I know that that doesn't lead to life to the full, Lord. Forgive me. And I'm turning my back on that. The next time I'm tempted in that area, I want, I want to choose differently. I want to choose what's right. Please help me to do that. And 1 John uh, 1, 8, 9. If we confess our sins, he is just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, God says, we, when we do that, when we confess, we hear the, the Spirit of God say, you're forgiven. Now get back up and walk in holiness, empowered by my Spirit. We have to have that process, right? It's a critical part of the process. But God wants to set us free. In Christ, we have everything we, we need to be set free. Let's not give up. Let's stay moving toward freedom. Let's pray. And you know, of course... During this message, you know what area of life 
where, where you're entangled, what sins got you feeling defeated, where you're in, in danger of giving up and just reconciling yourself to that sinful thought or those, that desire, that attitude, behavior. And so right now, would you just, uh, just say to the Lord, Lord, I don't want that sin in my life. I don't want to be a slave. I want freedom. I believe your testimony that this sin is not good for me. It will not lead to life. It will lead to death. The next time I face this temptation, I will choose by the, by the power of your spirit to say no. Help me. Help me to become a slave to righteousness in this area. Transform me by your spirit and your word. In Jesus' name, amen.